last time on your meet in the tavern. You guys are real far into this wood, um, further than you've ever went as children and further actually than you ever really remember um, it being. As you go through this brush, you see in front of you this massive uh, temple. And at this desk, you actually see a small um, figure. We're looking okay. for my sister, Jill. Have you seen her? I mean, no. she's not imperative. We just need to make sure she's not dead and then we can go home. I, I haven't <laughs> seen anybody. My name is Tess. I'm a wizard that was sent here from the Arcane Tower. Uh, me, me and Felix, my partner Felix, who I mentioned before, uh, we were sent here to, to study the, the magic of this temple and, and to understand its, its workings. That, that's our job. That's our job at the Arcane Tower. You see Jill, and she's surrounded by this this purple light, um, which connects to this trail of energy uh, down to another hooded figure that's standing on this altar. Felix, Felix, what are you doing? It is time. And the fog grows thicker um, and covers almost like a pillar that goes up from this abyss all the way up to the to the sky. A a quick kind of rush of this gray flesh that comes flying <coughs> up from this um, cavern, and the fog dissipates, and Felix is gone. Uh, I turned to Tess, like, what the hell was that? What just happened? Uh, and Tess says, "Listen, I, I'm I know this has been a lot, and I." I, I Obviously, some shit has gone down, but uh, I, I promise you that we will make this better. Uh, I, I just You just need to come with me. Well, right. let's go then. All right. Here, here we go. So you guys step through this, uh, this archway, um, and the world around you uh, goes black for a minute. So, you guys remember what happened last time? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Jill died. Jill fell into the abyss. Felix uh, made all that happen. Tess created this portal, um, and you left the temple, saw Woodhaven kind of being just basically demolished, um, and you go through the temple. You go through this portal that Tess opens up. She says, "She says, come on, let's go." And the whole world goes black for a minute. And the portal takes you to the center of a large circular room. Um, it's like stone walls all the way around this big circular room. Um, and on the walls are other portals similar to the one that you walked through. Um, but each of the portals has a large a number above it. And they're numbered one through nine, all like etched and glowing in the stone that's above each of this portal. Um, in this room, you see people of all different shapes and sizes that are hurrying around, um, heading in and out of the various portals. Um, in the north section of this room, you see a large desk, uh, and behind which stands a small creature with his back turned. Uh, Tess walks you guys through to this room, to this desk, um, and you see these rows of these black bowls that are sitting under the, these, these small openings that come through the wall. Uh, that lead to the outside. You can kind of see the outside from through these holes. Every few seconds, this wisp of white smoke comes flooding into the holes and they fill the bowls below. And Tess says, Flynn. The uh, creature turns around. You notice that he's an elf and he's pretty old. You see like wrinkles that show signs of his age and stress. Uh, he's bald. He's got big, white, hairy ears. Um, he's kind of short for an elf. Um, he's wearing like simple clothes. Uh, all the rest of the people in this room are wearing like dark robes, but he's the only one that's not really um, in that garb. Uh, and he says, he says, oh, Tess, hello. I just received your message. Can I inquire as to what's going on? And Tess says, no time for that now. I've got to get up to the Archmage. Do me a favor and show these guys around the place and get them some lodging. And then she turns to you all. And she says, I'm so sorry to leave you like this. I, I know this has been crazy, but but Flynn here will get you settled and uh, I'll meet up with you with you guys later. OK, I turn to these to these two guys. Tug Mugbar turns to Durf and Carl with a K. 
we don't really trust anyone, right? Like, right. We're, right. we're not, we're not sold on this. Right. Because, just, okay, fucking Felix, she trusted Felix. She says this place is cool and safe. She trusted Felix. Felix fucking killed Carl's sister. Straight body bagged her. <laughs> yeah. Body bagged her. Okay. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Tess, um, Tess, Tess, here's you guys talking about this and, and she's like, <laughs> uh, guys, guys, I can hear everything you're saying. Um, I'm, I'm real sorry. I know you don't trust me, but, but listen, your, your town's gone. I'm, I, I, I don't mean to be an asshole here, but your town's gone. Uh, Carl, your, your little sister is dead. Um, <laughs> you don't really have much to go on right now. You need to trust me. And with that, she turns around and uh, she pulls something out of her cloak and walks towards one of the nearest portals. Um, as she get close, as she gets close to this portal, the number above the portal changes into the big this big letter A, and the archway turns to gold. And uh, she steps through the portal and immediately turns back to normal. And the and the A turns back into a a two, we'll say. And Flynn, and she's gone. And she's gone. And Flynn okay. turns to you, and he's like, uh, mm, "Well, uh, she's a feisty one." Okay, then. Uh, welcome to the Arcane Tower. Who might you be? Okay. Horrible introduction. <laughs> we got brought here by somebody you know. I think you need to tell us who you are, what this place is, what we're doing here, and maybe we can assess whether we want to accept your accommodations and lodging, which oh, sounds sketchy oh. at best at this moment in time. So, Flynn, walk us through the paces. Don't leave anything out. And, and we'll see what happens from there. Go ahead. Wow. You're aggressive. I like it. All right. Charisma um, 16. <laughs> dab on it. All right. In that case, how about a tour first? And he claps his hands. And this floating row of wooden seeds comes flying in from a portal marked uh, number nine. Because like, and he says, hop on in and I'll show you around. Keep your arms, legs, tentacles, and all other appendages inside the floaty magic seats at all times. Please be aware that smoking is strictly prohibited. In case of emergency, well, try not to shit yourselves. Cool. And uh, he claps twice again. And with uh, Joel, I assume you get into the seats. No, hold on. He answered, <laughs> he answered no question. We already agreed He's we don't give trust him. And he answered zero questions. Guys, oh, let's what? just get in the seats. See what Flynn has to say. It'll be fine. All right. I forgot. What's the, what's the name of where we are? Oh, the Arcane Tower. The Arcane Tower. Yes. The public school or a private school? It's a private, very private, extremely what's private. Tuition? Actually, tuition. What's, what's tuition? Uh, yeah. There, there is no tuition. Oh. We select you. Well, not you, but the people that are here. Interesting. Interesting. I get in the mine cart or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> it's a row of seats. It's kind of like, a, it's, it's just, just like chairs. wooden chairs that are floating like in a row. Arguably way more horrifying than a mine cart. <laughs> I'll take my floating wooden chair. Right, no seatbelts. Perfect. All right, all right. So you guys sit in these chairs and with a, you go flying uh, towards the portal marked um, one. And you pass through this portal and you are now in, uh, you're now traveling back and forth through a series of these grand stone hallways. Uh, that, and on either side of the hallway, you can see these big red doors. Um, and Flynn says, Floors one through four are living quarters for most of the members of our little crew here. I suppose you guys will be staying on four. And then you, you are flying down this one hallway and you guys go through another portal marked six. Um, and you find yourself in what looks like basically a large, uh, almost like a mall food court. Uh, you see a lot of different places to eat and shop. And Flynn says, six is the cafe. Need a bite or some adventuring gear? This is the place for you. you... They got falafel? Oh, yeah. Lots of falafel. We're it's... learning nothing. It's delicious. <laughs> Can we make that very clear that we are learning nothing? We are getting a tour of the tower to know where we need to head next. Oh, the food court. Prime. There are also shops. The, the aggressiveness was endearing at first, but now it's getting <laughs> a little annoying. Uh, you turn left at a particularly busy shop where you can see bottles of like different colored liquids, um, and then you head through another portal marked 7. 
And this portal transports you to this humongous room. It's this huge round uh, library with bookshelves that go like all the way up to the ceiling. Um, think uh, like Beauty and the Beast style library. Um, you can see several books like flying off the shelves into hands of these robed people as they sit at several long tables that line the floor. In the center of the room, there is what looks like a super thick, twisted tree trunk that travels up to the ceiling um, with different levels of wood platforms that wrap around it and stairs going up to each of the platform. Um, on these platforms are several open doors that lead inside the trunk. Um, and as you float around this tree, Flynn says, Now this is the Hall of Knowledge. We have two main... Here's some, here's some answers for you. We have two main focuses here at the Arcane Tower. Our primary focus is to train new promising magic users in the art of the arcane. Most of their studying is done here and on eight. Our secondary focus is to learn and research the new and exciting magical happenings of the world, making sure they don't get into the wrong hands. I'm in charge of receiving leads and the Archmage sends out our best philosophers to investigate. Duck. Duck. Uh, make dexterity saving throws, please. <laughs> Okay. And we're under attack. Perfect. <laughs> uh, fucking, what's my modifier? Three? Fifteen. Fifteen, all right. Carl? Fourteen. All right. Durf? Or, uh, Tug? Uh, nineteen. Oh, damn. You guys are super dexterous. Um, you... Matrix AF. These, uh, chairs fly around the, the tree and you come to this big, large branch that's kind of, like, hanging low. And you guys all manage to duck out of the way. Nice, nice. You guys head through another portal on the other side of the tree marked eight. And as you emerge from this portal, you find yourself floating through a series of laboratories and workstations. Um, you pass shelves of bubbling potions, strange creatures in glass chambers, uh, rows of like tools and weapons that you've never seen before. Um, and Flynn says, this here is my favorite part of the tower. Welcome to the Artificers Guild, or as the students like to call it, the fishery. Um, you float around a desk and you see this large robed orc that waves at you as you pass. And Flynn goes, uh, that there's Nero. He specializes in magical objects that help our philosophers on the ground. He can make you lots of cool gadgets and gizmos for a price. Uh, you turn the corner and head through a portal marked nine. And he says, okay, last stop, I promise. Here we are in the observatory. Uh, your ride comes to a halt. Your chairs come to a halt as you enter an extremely plain room with low ceilings. Uh, everything in this room is covered in like a white, slick slate stone, uh, save for about a dozen black metal cylindrical pods that are fixed to the outside walls. Come in, I'll show you something. Flynn leads you to the nearest pod and all the doors slide closed, uh, leaving you compacted kind of close inside this slick black metal can. He, uh, Flynn pushes something on the wall near the door and you feel a force as you've been, you've been shot forward. Uh, and then from the ceiling, actually after a couple minutes, the metal, the black metal starts to um, melt away. And in its place is, you can see basically the open dark sky full of stars. Uh, this metal begins to melt away from the ceiling down the outer walls and eventually the floor so it essentially just looks like you guys are floating in open air um, and from this view you see the whole of the arcane towers uh, beauty it's standing high above this um, really calm lake it's so calm that it almost looks like glass and all around the sky is this this dark um, darkness and these stars that are reflecting off this lake so it almost looks like as as if this tower is kind of floating um, on itself and flynn goes uh pretty cool am i right yeah i'll agree i'll agree uh he says the arcane tower is fully and completely shut off from the outside world protected by immeasurable defense magic no one comes in or out of this land without the archmage's permission um, the black metal turns solid again from the from the ground up, and you guys f are pushed back to the tower, um, where the the can opens up and you see the chairs, uh, and they bring you back to the lobby. And Flynn goes, "All right, well, uh, back to the grind, I guess. 
but feel free to wander wherever you please. Um, I'm sure Tess will be done with her business shortly. Our casa es your casa, as they say. Before you go, Flynn, I have a couple questions. Okay, shoot. How long have you been at the tower? Oh, gosh. As long as I can remember. Since I was a little boy, I studied here. Do you know Felix? Felix? Uh, I, I know of him, yes. I, I know he was a young mage. What, what, what about Felix? Do you know what his particular area of expertise was? Oh, Felix? Oh, gosh, he studied many, many things. I, I believe he was he was one of the brightest uh, little students that, that we had here. I see. How Ooh. how does he relate to Tess? Oh, Tess? Oh, I don't, I've seen I've seen them since they were children. They were always together. They seem to really enjoy each other's company. Why, why are you asking all this? Oh, oh no, no big deal. Him? He killed my uh, Carl's sister. What? <laughs> what? Felix? No. No, that's impossible. Wait, how did you? How did you not know that? What? I, I just, I just, I captured the leads. I, I thought it was interesting that that Tess brought you back here with without Felix. Yeah, he uh, fucking, I don't know, summoned some kind of dragon or something, demon, and uh, yeah, killed Carl's sister. It's pretty sweet. Oh, I mean, not really. Thanks wah, for bringing wah. that back up. That doesn't sound sweet at all. Uh, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that, and and I. I Totally have a new perspective on your attitude before. <laughs> oh, right, right. Arcane cool. Tower with all this magic couldn't have expected, you know, a message to go through why three strangers showed up. I understand things are confusing and convoluted. Um, the food court. Right. Is that free? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. You still have to pay gold. Interesting. We'll see about that. <laughs> Okay, well, if that's the end of the tour, I guess we should explore. Or... Yeah, let's, uh, yeah. let's All right. head out and look around. Feel, uh, Flynn says, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, um, um, if you need any help, please please come back to the desk. Uh, we're on five here in the lobby. Um, yeah, so can you, like, page us when What's-Her-Face is back? <laughs> oh, oh she, she'll, she'll be able to find you. No worries. Interesting. Um, let's go to... Uh, do you guys want to go to the food court and I want to talk to my rat and get him to steal us some falafel? <laughs> it's a it's a hearty rat you got there. Uh, uh, a Durf, did you did you name your rat yet? I know we we haven't really talked about him for a couple episodes, but does he? Uh, where do you where do you do you keep him in your pants? I'm I'm gonna wait because when I get to level two, um, <laughs> I can talk to animals uh -huh. and I'll ask him what his name is. Oh. I don't want to presume to say what his name is wow <laughs> okay all right so do you guys want to travel around uh you got you basically have the uh mall food court i think i said that was on six um there is the why don't we go to the artificers guild and talk to the orc guy yeah that's on uh that's on eight See if we can't find some make some magic happen you guys want to go there sure sure okay yeah let's ride the lightning so you guys gather together and you walk through the portal uh, marked eight. Um, and again, you emerge from this portal. You see all these different laboratories and workstations. Um, and the orc sees you, and he waves you over. Um, and you guys, you guys walk over there. And he says, "I'm gonna get this this accent right." He says, um, <laughs> "I thought about it and I was like, what what kind of voice can I use?" Okay. Um, he says this, he says, Hi, hello there, my name's Nero. What can I do for you? <laughs> well, this is awkward. <laughs> what, what can you do for us? You guys look new here. Where'd you come from? That's just, that is not my question. <laughs> this is going poorly. <laughs> Let's start this over. All right, rewind. I was not expecting that. You walk through the portal, and you see laboratories and workstations. And this orc, he waves you over, and he says, Name's Nero. What can I do for you? <laughs> Again, what can you do for us? Um, this the is the can't fishery. handle this, so he's going to just duck to the side. <laughs> okay. He says, uh, this here's the fishery. Uh, this is where the, the 
the wizards uh, work with some some cool stuff and they learn they learn things about uh, magical items. Were you guys interested in some magical items today? Most but certainly. Did, uh, do we still have that map? Uh, I assume, I assume so. Hey, he he knows stuff about magical items. Can he look at our map and tell us what the fuck the? Oh no, never mind. Because what's her name? It was just Tess's map, and she lost it, and a knickknack dealer stole it. Yeah, right. That's yeah. what we know about it. Yep, that's all. You, that's all I mean, it, it's still a magic map. It's not like an evil map. It doesn't have any clues in it. No, no, not an evil no, map. No, this isn't a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> <laughs> when, when do we get to steal the Declaration of Independence? You are all about stealing things, aren't you? My profession is burglar, and you wouldn't let me steal stuff the only time I tried to steal stuff. <laughs> okay anyway so uh yeah uh you guys just gonna gonna stand there i forgot the accent already what was that so wait can he enchant my quarterstaff is that what he does um okay so do you want to ask him that let's, let's let him get back in yes. character and then we'll ask him yeah let me let me get back uh name's nero okay i got it <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Nero, can you enchant my quarterstaff? Uh, let me see. Let me see that for a second. <laughs> you, you hand him the quarterstaff, and uh, he says, mm, "Yeah, this uh, this is this is uh, this is pretty simple. Um, I could I could see what I could do, but it's gonna cost you. Uh, it's gonna cost you two thousand gold pieces." Uh, how about go fuck yourself? <laughs> well, that's rude. You bring this back uh, when you get 2,000 gold pieces, and I'll see what I can do. Uh, you guys will eventually get money, so don't worry about that right now. <laughs> okay. And Nero says, I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, let, me sh let me show you something I've been working on. And uh, he turned around from his desk, and there is uh, this big sheet basically over the, uh, this machine. And he pulls the sheet off um, and you see this big long machine with lots of like tubes and pipes and, and different uh, metal containers. And he says, this here is called the synthesizer. I can turn any mundane object into a magical one. Um, what's that you got there, sir? What is, what's your name, by the way? Me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's talking to you. Sure. <laughs> And, and who are your compatriots here? <laughs> Doug and Carl. What's what's so funny, the little one? Yeah, nothing. Absolutely nothing. What what's the names there, Duff? Doug and Carl. Oh, Doug and Carl. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, Coral. So, so <laughs> Carl. This is the Walking Dead. <laughs> Coral. Uh, all right, so Nero says, um, what's, what's that you got here? And he points at, um, your rack. Points at your rat. My rack? Your rat. <laughs> he points at the rat. My rack. The rat. Oh, yes. Yes, this is my rat. It's a rat. It's, oh, it's a nice rat there. What's his name? Uh, I'm waiting to ask him what his name is. Oh, uh, I got something that might be able to help you with that, uh, can, can, can I see him? I think you can see him, right? Didn't you just ask about I, him? I mean, like, in a physical sense, can I, can I, can you put him in my hand? Give him your rat. Okay, 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 you can have the rat, you can have the rat, there's the rat. Oh. All right, so you put the rat in this orc's hands, uh, and he turns around, and he pulls out, um, well, first he pulls out from his desk this uh, small um, iron cube. It's like a little metal cube. Um, and he turns around, and he puts uh, both the rat and the iron cube in this compartment. Um, and he shuts the door um, in, in the synthesizer. And this compartment compresses completely flat. And uh, juice kind of... Did you kill my rat? <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry. Watch this. Um, and this juice comes from this compartment in through this several uh these several glass tubes and it kind of goes up and down and around through these tubes uh and then and you, you're meanwhile you're hearing this machine kind of churn and, and and steam's coming up um and this juice goes through these tubes and goes into a different container um of metal uh, which expands and contracts um it's kind of like squishing it back and forth um 
and then it goes through another series of, of tubes and uh, you see this paste kind of like uh, this gray paste come out from the uh, this filter and goes into this this other sphere of glass uh, which spins it really 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 fast um, and then out from underneath this glass sphere into a jar that he has come these two black spheres. Um, and they go clink, clink into the jar. Okay. And he grabs the jar with these big tongs and turns to uh, the side of the desk where he has this big vat of cold water and he dips it in there and the steam comes up. Um, and when he takes the, the, the jar up, you see your rat and he's fine. Don't worry. He's cool. Okay. And he jumps up okay. and he scurries back up your um, your arm and lands on your on your shoulder. And the other thing that's in the jar is this kind of C-shaped uh, wrap. And he hands it to you and he says, I'm going to call this the Whisker Whisperer. Um, and you look, you look at this C-shaped thing and it's it's uh, in the shape of a rat, actually. Um, and he says, uh, put put that on your ear. OK, OK, I put it on my ear. So you put it on your ear and Nero says, now, listen closely. This item will allow you to telepathically communicate with your rat friend here. That's very exciting. Yeah. Um, and so basically what this item does is it, it lets you communicate with your rat. Uh, you're able to talk to it. Um, you're able to kind of tell it what you want it to do. Uh, as long as it's going to stay within 50 feet of you. Um, and you can also control it to some extent. So you you are able to tell it what you want it to do. Um, but every time you give it a command, you've got to roll a d20. And depending on how you roll is how well it kind of follows that, that command. Okay. Cool. I also, uh, I, I get a spell at level two that lets me look through an animal's eyes. So that could be cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. All right. And so I can talk to it? So you can talk to it, yeah. Uh, he says his name is Eugene. <laughs> okay, so you want to talk to the rat? I'll do the rat. Don't worry, I'll do the rat. So what do you want to, what do you want to say to your rat? I'll let um, it Eugene. <laughs> Wait, so, so is the Eugene name canon, or uh, do I need to ask you what it is? Uh, we'll make it Eugene. That's fine. So, so you put okay. this thing in your ear, uh, well, on on your ear. It kind of wraps around the outside of your ear, and it's got a little rat head that turns in towards your ear. Um, and uh, the rat, the rat. Uh, oh, now I got to do a different accent. Um, what would a rat sound like? Uh, well, it's telepathic, so it's not just what a rat would sound like. It's what a rat would sound like if it was talking to you with its mind. What a rat thinks in its mind, it sounds like. Uh, so the knickknack dealer found this rat in the sewers. Um, so let's say he's got like a New York accent. So he's, he's like, Hey, what is this place? That's not <laughs> New York at all. Hey, uh, Hey, you guys, what's going on? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, you, you know, we're you call me. To... What do you want? Come on. I'm like Joe Pesci rat. Right. Right, right. Well, you were there when, uh, you know, um, the, the wizard killed Carl's sister, and we're just trying to, you oh, know, yeah, figure shit. it out. Was that crazy or what? God damn. <laughs> hey, listen, name's Eugene, all right? I, I'll, I'll stick with you from here. You guys look like uh, some cool guys. Sounds great. We're happy to have you. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. I love you. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. Nero says, um, all right. So now that I uh, no, what the fuck does Nero sound like? It's, it's, the, it's the chutney accent. All right. So uh, now that I showed you that, uh, listen, I, I could do stuff like that again. But you guys, you guys got to find me some boring stuff. And uh, I can only do it for 500 gold pieces uh, again. I, I, I just I wanted to show you that because I thought it was pretty sweet. Cool. All right. Confirm. Thanks. I got a shop here too, so if you're looking for some items, now the cheapest thing on the menu is about five hundred gold pieces. So, so come back here when you get a little kish. Okay. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks for the rat. Big gulp, huh? We already had the rat. <laughs> it's Robo Rat now. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any idea where you want to go next? 
Now that now that I can talk to Eugene, can we go uh, have him steal falafel for us? <laughs> This is Joe, your Dungeon Master. I uh, hope you guys are are enjoying listening to episode three of You Meet in a Tavern. I'm um, having a lot of fun this episode, kind of introducing them to this arcane tower, which is going to become kind of like the home base for their adventures. So um, hope you're enjoying it. I just wanted to take a moment. We're going to start something new called a Promo Pause. Uh, it's just a little pause in the adventure where we give shout out to a couple other um, podcasts that are out there in the RPG tabletop um, video game, just nerd scene that we really like. Um, and hopefully you go check them out. So I guess we'll start first with our own podcast um, that you're listening to now. Appreciate it again. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, using the um, the username YMIA Tavern. That's you meet in a tavern. And don't forget to use the hashtag the tavern cast if you tweet at us or, or talk about the show. Um, we really would appreciate in these first few episodes, you all retweeting the episodes and sharing the love um, if, if you like what you're listening to and, and you want to hear more um, as we continue to go through this quest. So and you could also follow us on Facebook. Um, our podcast is up on on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on a bunch of other podcast uh, websites. So um, we've got a lot of different ways for you to listen in and stay connected. Um, on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you guys could leave a good review about uh, about um, the way we do things uh, that would help us to get a little bit more visibility and credibility within the podcast community. So um, that would be really appreciated if you could do that. Uh, the first podcast I want to talk about outside of ours is actually done by our very own Kirk, uh, who plays Tug Mugbar, the Halfling Monk. Um, he runs a podcast, a podcast entitled Super Rodcast, and this is for all you uh, Pokemon the Trading Card Game peeps that are looking to increase your level of play. Uh, he talks a lot about deck building, uh, about strategy when, you, when you're playing the game. Um, I know he brings in a lot of outside people to interview, uh, people that have, have won and done well in uh, in championships. And so it's, really, it's a really great podcast. And obviously, he's a funny guy. So check it out. Super Rodcast. That's the name. Uh, I know they're on Twitter and Facebook and all over the place. The next one I want to talk about is called Pluto Moved On. Uh, this is a group of guys that do all sorts of RPG, fantasy, video game stuff. Um, they do some actual play uh, podcasts. They do discussions and rants about high-level video game topics, uh, all sorts of fantasy and RPG and nerd stuff. Um, and they're, they're a really funny group of guys. So if you're looking for a podcast uh, that's got a little bit of everything, please check them out. It's Pluto Moved On. Okay, that's it for the promos. Um, again, we appreciate you listening to this episode. That's not really full of a whole lot of action-packed stuff. I promise we'll get to a lot more of that in the next episode. Um, but we've got to set it all up. They've got to level up. Uh, you know, it's got to be done. So anyway, I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Don't forget to check us out um, and follow us and tweet at us and review us and all that, that great stuff. Um, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest. See ya. guys head to the food court you're gonna go out uh, the portal that's marked what did i say it was uh that's marked um i think matter. we took eight yeah eight is where you're all at now you you go through the portal uh, portal marked six um and you come to the food court and you see lots of different places um there's places to eat there's the f- uh farah's falafel shack um <laughs> there's uh, a place called uh Teddy Teddy Tucker's Tater Tots. And they like sell, Yeah, like Teddy Tucker's t- Tater Tots. And they sell all sorts of different flavored Tater Tots with different toppings, and they're all delicious. Um, as far as shops go, uh, you see this place uh, with this wooden sign kind of hanging, and it says the brewery, and it's got like a, a, this, uh, this little cauldron with a spoon sticking out of it um, on the sign. And next to that, you see uh, you see Nix and Nax, um, which 
has a little like uh, two two swords kind of crossing each other um, next to the sign as well. All right, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a seat in the food court, okay. approximately 25 feet away from the falafel stand. You really want this falafel? Okay, all right, <laughs> you pop uh, a squat. And I'm gonna tap into my ear thing, and I'm gonna say, "Hey, Eugene. Hey, what's up? Steal us some falafel. What can I do for you? You should uh, you should sneak over the falafel stand. All right. Grab us some falafel. All right. And then we'll split it. Mm, what kind? What kind? What flavor? What's your, what's your favorite flavor? Uh, regular, you know, just regular falafel. If you can, if you can dip it in some like spicy harissa, that would be the shit. Listen, I gotta be honest. Uh, I'm from New York. I mean, fantasy New York. Uh, I don't, I don't know what falafel is. Can you just tell me? Can you give me the rundown? It's, it's, it's a little cake made of chickpeas and then deep fried. That it's sounds delicious. That sounds, that sounds really fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> How about the thin crust pizza? Can we get that? Uh, no, I want you to steal me some falafel. Could you steal me some falafel? Okay. Okay. Uh, why don't you roll a D20 there, Durf? Any modifiers? Nope. <laughs> Five. Five. Uh, all right. So uh, Eugene uh, scurries off your shoulder. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you worry. I'll get you some falafel. Sure thing. Uh, and he runs right past the falafel station uh, into Teddy Tucker's tater tots. And he climbs up the counter and grabs like two tater tots with his little rat feet. Um, and he comes scurrying back. He's like, here you go. Here's your falafel. Now leave me alone. And I say close enough. And as a reward, I give him one of the two tater tots and I eat the other one. Oh, what a fucking guy. Thanks for that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, we can do what you guys want to do now. <laughs> okay. So in this moment right now, watching uh, little Eugene come back with two tater tots and watching the friendship uh, between Dirk and Eugene, um, I crumble in tears because we just lost our entire town. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So you guys are super and, uh, sad. Yeah, mega sad. Could not be more sad. All right. That is a uh, fucking bummer. <laughs> well, at least now we have just, no choice but to leave our hometown. Mentally ruined. <laughs> everything I knew. Because none of us, according to the backstory we were given, that's where we lived our whole lives. It's <laughs> a good point. So, All right. so you guys, you guys sit... That's- in this food court uh, at the table, just kind of hugging each other. And <laughs> Eugene is like, what the hell is this? I'm, I'm out of here. And he goes scurrying off um, into, into the food court somewhere else. He'll come back eventually. Uh, but you guys console each other uh, for, for, for a while. Um, and as you sit there, you see uh, Tess. You see Tess run towards you. And she says, okay, guys. Um, I'm really sorry to have left you alone. I hope I hope you've you've found yourself at home here. Uh, but we really should go talk to the Archmage. Yeah, let's do that. Our village right. is yep. destroyed. Yep. This yep. food court is overpriced. Like <laughs> this is ludicrous. Okay, ludicrous. We need to start solving problems. Tess, I'm with you for the first time in our very short relationship. Let's go. All right. So she leads you out of the food court to a different portal, um, and it turns gold, and the little letter A pops up, and you guys walk through this. Um, and you come to a part of the tower that wasn't on the tour. Um, you, It's a, this main hall. Uh, of it's, it's this dark hall just filled with stone. Um, you see these blue lights that line kind of the sides of the walls that lead up. A uh, hundred feet to this open ceiling, um, you see uh, arched steps that kind of go around in a crescent uh, up to this large stone basin that sits raised up in the palm of two stone hands that are clasped inside one another. Um, on the other side of the basin, there is the archmage, um, and he is fully decked out in this long white robe. Um, he is being lit up by the moonlight from the open ceiling. Um, and it reflects, reflects off uh, this basin onto his his face. And you can see that he is a super tall old elf. Uh, he's got this pure white kind of Fu Manchu looking beard, uh, the base of which goes all the way down and reaches the floor. And it's tied together every few feet 
with the golden rope. It kind of looks like a, like a white hairy double helix almost. Um, and he says, he says, uh, please sit. He gestures across the basin and the stone around you kind of forms and moves up to form three chairs. First of all, let me extend my very sincere condolences to each of you and welcome you to our tower. I hope the comfort you will find here will help to ease your troubled minds. I was always very fond of Woodhaven. We have been studying your city for many, many years. Tess and Felix are, or were, well, Tess still is, but Felix, you, know, you get the point. Uh, were two of my brightest philosophers. Tell me, do you know the true history of your harvest celebration? No. Good. I'll tell you sure. now. <laughs> sure don't. He, uh, he makes a gesture with his wand, um, and the water in the basin actually begins to rise and fall, uh, and it swirls around and eventually forms uh, this flat surface, of, and, and it, it changes from water into uh, a flat surface of dusty stone. Um, and he says, Long ago, the land beneath Woodhaven stood in a wide plain called the Eternal Flats. The plain was inhabited by a peaceful, spiritual group of people from all walks of life. They built a grand city, centered in which was a great temple to the god Pelor and the pride and joy of all the people. And as he's talking, the water is moving around this, uh, this dusty stone and it's actually forming the things that he's talking about. Um, he says, For hundreds of years the city flourished and the people lived in peace and harmony, celebrating their peaceful diversity with a festival. On one such festival, a great quake shook the eternal flats, ripping the land in two and opening a chasm so deep it reached the black plains in the center of our world. From it rose a great demon from the deep, who laid waste to the eternal flats and roamed the world, harvesting the souls of the living and leaving nothing but death, decay, and shadow in its wake. This demon was known as the Dread King. On the brink the of disaster, the Dread King, Dread. On the brink of disaster, seven priests of Pelor came to the Eternal Flats from all parts of the world to confront the Dread King. And again, like all this stuff is happening um, in front of you in the basin. Uh, with their immense combined power, they vanquished the beast and sealed the chasm, sending the Dread King back into the Black Plains for eternity. In solidarity to those who were lost, the priests of Pelor erected a new temple above the seal, but the people of the Eternal Flats were gone, and eventually the temple was lost to the changing of the lands. Uh, the water swirls again, um, and everything kind of comes back together and splashes back into the basin. He says, uh, Tess has told me all that has happened. I don't know how, but Felix has found a way to open the chasm and summon the Dread King. I should have never assigned him to the Lost Temple, and he starts pacing back and forth. Um, he says, Felix had always shown more promise than any I've seen of any other wizard. But neither me nor Tess ever sensed the evil that was inside of him. The temptation to wield this power must have been too great. I can't help but feel responsible for all of this, and for that, I am truly sorry. Dang. <laughs> all right. So what do we do now? He says, uh, there is nothing more I can tell you at the moment. Our knowledge of the Dread King and this temple is extremely limited. But the finding of the temple and the books within may help. I've sent a few of our best down to the temple to retrieve all they can. Tess and I will know more in the morning, and she will be your main point of contact. For now, you three need your rest. I've left something for each of you in your room. It's the least I can do. Okay. Yeah, I like presents. What can you tell me about Felix? Felix. Felix was extremely, extremely 
um, promising young wizard that I took on at a very young age. Uh, we found him abandoned. He showed great signs of power. Do you have any way of tracking your, your philosophers or your wizards when they're out? I do not. We raise our wizards from a very young age. We trust them with much. That worked out well. Yeah, clearly. Maybe <laughs> I'll we tell, should. I'll tell Jill. Maybe we should reevaluate uh, <laughs> how we deal with that stuff. Hashtag Jill the Thrill. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. Um, so. <laughs> okay, okay, Chet. So, where do we need to go to start hunting down Felix? Because. He's got a dead sister. Our village is gone. Um, I understand you gave us some cool little gizmos as like, sorry, everything's dead. Um, <laughs> mementos, which is cool. Um, what is our next step from here to help you make a difference? Like we're trying, we're, we need to end this. Of course, of course. As I said. Where do we go from here? Yes, yes, of course. As I, as I said, um, we, we know very little at this moment in time. Uh, I, I have sent people down to the temple to to retrieve some of the books that, that you, that Tess found and was looking over. Um, once they've done that, I believe we will have more information uh, on, on what our next steps will be. The seven priests of Pelor have been dead for a long time, but I believe that the more information we can find about them, the closer we will be to defeating this beast. So we should go take a nap while the plot moves forward. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I vote that. Well, with since everything in my life is, is since everything in my life has been like viciously ravaged and murdered, I think I can hit a nap right now. <laughs> like I'm not upset that that's what we have to do. Okay. Tug Tug embraces the darkness of sleep and his nightmares of ever his life being ruined. Good point. Okay, so uh, you leave the Archmage's Tower. Tess leads you out. Um, the Archmage says, like, something like, goodbye. And um, <laughs> you, follow, <laughs> you follow Tess into a, another portal marked four. Um, and she leads you down a couple different hallways and takes you to this big red door, uh, bigger than any of the other ones. Um, and she says... She says, well, here's where you'll be staying while you're here at the Arcane Tower. And she opens up the door and there's like pretty sweet setup you guys have. You've got like three big king beds that are lining the wall. You got you got a big fireplace on the right side, a um, couple different tables and like a stocked bar, a little mini fridge. Like it's it's pretty sweet. Um, and in front of each of your king size beds, there is a chest. There's a chest. And Tess says, um, if you need anything else, please don't hesitate to come find me. Okay. I'm going to scamper over to my chest and hopefully that the, the thing that was given to me can make up for my family and village being destroyed. All right. <laughs> All right. So here we go. So um, let's see. Tug, what I want you to do is I want you to roll a d20 and tell me what you got. Uh, no modifier or anything? No just modifier, just a d20. 11. 11. Okay. Let me type that in here. All right. This is sweet. Okay. So, Tug, you reach in um, and you pull out these golden, um, this golden bandage, basically two of these golden, um, they're like spools of this bandage. Um, and there's a note attached to it that says, says what they are. And these are the fist wraps of the bull. Um, so what this does is you wrap them around both your hands and both of your hands get a 1d6 and they're both considered um, unarmed weapons. So instead of a 1d6 and a 1d4 that you have before, um, you get two 1d6s in both of your fists. And also this has an extra feature that allows you to move a creature when you punch it if you want to. Um, that is equal or less than your size outside the monk's reach. So you can basically punch this five feet away, punch something five feet away. Uh, that's badass. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hype as shit over cool. that. That's awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, Durf, you want to go? Sure. Roll a d20. 
fucking five. Five. Okay, this is still pretty sweet. Um, you okay. pull out this pretty <laughs> long, uh, long cape, essentially, um, and it's covered in these brown feathers. Um, and this is the cloak of the eagle. Um, and what this bumps your AC up by one automatically when you wear it. Oh, that's got to not happen. You're going to have to write this down. Because <laughs> I'm just hearing, I'm, already, I'm already typing. I'm just hearing... All right, so you bump uh, one to AC, and you also get advantage on all your initiative rolls from here on out. So every time you roll initiative, How does that work? every time you roll initiative, you get to roll twice and take the highest number. Cool. That's for sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay, Carl. Ten. Ten. All right, so this is this is cool too. All right, so you actually, Carl, you reach in. And you pull out this long blue sword. It's kind of like Mary Poppins style because the chest is kind of small on the ground. But you pull this thing out um, and it's like it's like five feet long. Um, And it is just ice blue. The blade is just ice blue. Um, And it's like a cloth wrap around the hilt. Um, And this is a sword called Chillrend. And what it does, it does 1d8 slashing. It's a long sword, so I assume you're proficient in that. And then in addition to every attack that you make, you also do uh, 1d4 extra cold damage. Nice. So 1d8 normal slashing and then 1d8 or 1d4 cold slashing damage. I guess I'll uh, throw my cloak on and take a nap. Okay. You guys want to... Head to bed. You've been out all night, you know, searching for Jill and stuff. You haven't really gotten any rest, so it's probably time for that. So you all um, hop in each of your big, long, king-size beds, and you snuggle the wonderful gifts you were just given, and you fall asleep. Is Eugene back? Can I cuddle with Eugene? You can, Yeah, sure. Eugene comes. He's like, all right, let's go to bed. I'm tired. <laughs> okay. And you guys fall asleep. While you guys are sleeping, let's go ahead and level you up to level two. We'll get you there. Um, so level two, when you level up, you increase your maximum HP, um, and you do that by rolling one of your hit die on your character sheet, and you add your constitution modifier to that number, and then you add that number to your maximum, your current maximum HP. Um, you said one of my hit die? Yeah, you're, you have a hit die on your character sheet. So, oh, yes. So one, so one D8. Yeah, so you're going to roll a D8. So we'll start with Durf. You're going to roll a D8, and then you're going to add your constitution modifier. Eight. You got an eight? Or you got I a got six? I got seven. Seven and plus one. Nice. Okay, yeah. so, you're, so your maximum HP goes up by eight. Seventeen. Sweet. Good money. Stout druid. Uh, Carl, yeah. you want to try it? You want to do this? Uh, I rolled a five plus two seven. So, so you add seven. I go up to 19. You have 19. Let me write this down, actually. Durf 17. Uh, Tug. So uh, mine's a mine's a D. Or excuse me, it's a D. Let me pull up my character sheet. Make sure I rolled the right thing. It's a D8, and I rolled an eight. Dope. Do you have Ooh. anything in Constitution? I have none. All right. So what's your max <laughs> so HP? I'm, right now, max is 16. Sweet. You guys, that's pretty good for level two. Um. Okay. Cool. So other things in level two, you guys each get like some cool abilities. Um, so why don't we start with Druid? Uh, you get to change into fucking animals now. Hell yeah, I do. That was the plan all along. So yeah, level two, you get what's called wild shape. Uh, you can use your action in combat or outside of combat. You can just kind of do it freely. But inside combat, you can use your action to magically assume the shape of a beast that you have seen before. Interesting. Uh, you can use this feature twice and you regain expended uses when you finish a short or long rest. So I, we got to go see some animals. Um, so right now I can only turn into a spider. Jamal, we'll just assume that you, you've you seen the spider, you've seen the rats. Uh, you also saw a bunch of those beasts in the tent for the festival. Saw a bunch of stuff. So we'll just assume oh, that... I can turn into an owl. Yeah, you turn into an owl. Um, 
you can turn into basically at level two, you can turn into anything that's under a, um, a uh, CR of one fourth, which is a challenge rating. So there's a list of beasts and we'll just say, I'll send you a list of um, things that you might've seen in, in that tent at the festival. And we'll just go with that. Okay. Sound good? Is giant fire beetle one of them? Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play the game exclusively as a giant fire beetle. Okay. Let's well, say you saw a giant fire beetle. So <laughs> let, let me just list them off right now. Giant fire beetle, dog, cat, like stray animals in your festival, uh, rat, spider, um, owl, newt, cow, what lamb, like farm animals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cow, sheep, pig, that kind rooster. of rooster. Sure, rooster, but you can't fly. <laughs> you can't fly until level uh, eight. You can't fly or swim. All right. So anyway, okay. you also um, so there's stuff in the in the player's handbook that you can read about what this means and what you can do. I'm not going to read all of it. Um, yep. A lot of things like if you're an animal, you can't cast spells that require you to to like move your fingers if you don't have fingers. That kind of stuff. Um, right. You also get to pick a circle, and there's a couple in the player's handbook, and then I sent you guys a couple um, unearthed arcana uh, kind of extras that just came out. So we're going to we're going to also reach into that pot. So have you decided on your circle? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to join the circle of the shepherd. Uh, I get a thing called spirit bond, which is um, I can summon a spirit of an animal, which projects an aura in a 30 foot radius around it and buffs the squad um, based on what animal I summon. I can summon a bear, a hawk, and a wolf. Uh, basically, the bear makes everybody tougher. The hawk uh, is good for ranged attacks, which we don't really do. And the wolf uh, gives us ability check advantages, and also it's a heal. Um, and then I can also I basically get like passive speak to animals. I can talk to animals all the time now. I don't need to use a spell. Dope. And eventually, at level six, I will be able to summon actual animals to fight with us. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, sweet. So that's and, since, and then also, should we go over spells? So now I get I get an extra spell slot. Is that how it works? You, there should be a table of, like... Oh, yeah, three. I see. I see. I get yeah. it. Yep. So, so I have three spell slots. You now have three first-level spell slots. You can't cast any so, second-level spells yet. Do I still bring four spells with me, or do I bring, like, six now? Does that make sense? Uh, your wisdom modifier plus your druid level. So I guess five. Oh, okay. Fun. Okay. Tug, are you ready? Uh, you get key points, which is pretty sweet. Uh, lets you spend these points uh, to do a number of different things. Um, and then you have a key save DC, which is kind of like a spell save DC that the other classes have. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, it says. Uh, so what else? What else is kind of cool is a halfling. My uh, my distance I can travel is twenty five feet, but since I don't wear armor, uh, one of the monk things is I get plus ten to my uh, distance I can travel. Sweet. For for being unarmored, so that's pretty cool. So your knee speed is now thirty five. Yes. Nope. Which is pretty excellent, because um, with my dumpy little legs, I wasn't moving too well. So. Right. <laughs> so you have three different. Um, Key abilities? Do we call it? Is it key or is it chi? I don't actually know. Uh, I'm, I was calling it key okay. simply because it's spelled K-I. I guess that makes sense so. phonetically. All right, so K-I, <laughs> you have uh, three different abilities. Uh, Flurry of Blows that after you take an attack action, you can spend a key point to make two unarmed strikes instead of just one as a bonus. Um, you have Patient Defense, which lets you take a key key point use a key point to take the take the dodge action um which basically means i think any attack on the next turn against you is disadvantage um and then you also have the step of the wind which lets you take the disengage or dash action as a bonus action for one key point so disengage is to leave the melee range of a of an enemy without a surprise attack um or without a reaction and the dash is to move double your speed yeah, it's uh, it's pretty excellent. Uh, yeah, those three things are pretty excellent, especially patient defense, because I am a pretty soft, soft individual. Right. 
Sweet. Um, so that, I mean, that's pretty much Monk. So, Carl, any idea yet? Uh, yeah, I, I get to choose a fighting style, so I'm going to choose protection. Okay. Seems pretty handy. Sweet. Uh, and then I get divine smite. And my only question about that is, like, well, do I still choose? Because I get also get two spellcasting slots. Oh, so first right. of all, protection as a fighting style, so you only choose one. So protection, uh, when you're a creature, you can see attacks a target other than you that's within five feet of you. You can use a reaction to impose disadvantage. Okay, so if you're close to somebody who's getting attacked, you can use your shield if you have it to impose disadvantage. That's awesome. Um, right. Okay, so divine smite. When you hit a creature with a melee weapon, you can extend one spell slot to deal radiant damage to the target. The extra damage is 2d8 for first level spell slot, plus 1d8 for each spell level higher than first. Sweet. Um, so yeah, you can use one of your spell slots to increase the damage you make on an attack by 2d8. All right, we got everybody leveled up. Uh, good thing, because you're going to need it next time. All right. <laughs>